before we get started, I wanted to ask all of you, um, how are you doing? I mean, how, how are you really doing these days? I hope you are checking in with yourself regularly. As we discussed last week, God invites us into his pres- uh, this process of healing, not curing. And healing requires active participation. Healing is holistic and healing brings peace. So I hope and pray that you all are showing yourself some TLC as I encouraged you last week. And TLC uh, stands for take notice of your body, lean into relationships, and connect with God daily. Take notice of your body, lean into relationships, and connect with God daily. Now, as I mentioned before, we are continuing on in our restoration theme for this month. And today we are talking about reckoning. Reckoning. Now, I'm wondering if this year... 2020 is a year of reckoning for many of you personally. 2020 has been a year of reckoning for me. I know that there are many global, national, and statewide catastrophes that have affected many of us, but there are also very many personal catastrophes that a lot of us as individuals have been experiencing. Perhaps you personally have been affected by COVID-19 and maybe uh, you or your loved one has tested positive for COVID. I know that uh, I have dear friends and uh, colleagues and even um, uh, a couple of extended family members who have contracted COVID-19. But even more on a personal level, um, relationally, I have been going through my own personal catastrophes. For some time now, um, my wife and I have been um, not doing so great. Uh, And, you know, it's not like my wife Becky and I are unfamiliar with fighting. I mean, she and I are both very, very stubborn and strong-headed. But uh, a few months ago, she and I had this really, really long, epic fight that lasted well over an hour. Uh, there were there was yelling, there was crying, and there there was many many awkward silences, and I don't even remember how this fight started, but you know, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with COVID and quarantine, and you know, both of us working from home and homeschooling our kids. We're just probably driving each other crazy. I'm probably driving her a lot more crazy than um, uh, she's causing me stress but um, eventually as we were fighting she even brought up stuff that I've done to her like years ago there were ways that I've hurt her in the past that I thought she we had moved on from but uh, obviously she hadn't admittedly that was really the first time uh, this this recent fight that I'm talking about, that, this was really the first time that I understood how deeply I hurt her through my actions. And I'm not proud to share this with you, but I shared this with you to um, kind of help you understand that w- many of us are going through our own personal 
catastrophes this year. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening globally and nationally, but there's probably a lot of stuff for you that's going on in your own individual life that maybe not a lot of people know about. So um, as a result of this fight, this big fight that I had with her where, you know, uh, to be honest with you, she was even, we were even talking about possibly separating and, um, you know, I, I was, I think I, she was really like at her wit's end with me. Um, but I think the reason why I was able to really empathize with her pain and um, be actually motivated to change is because I didn't feel shame. I think in the past, when I've hurt her, when I've mistreated her, I was so overcome with shame that it was really hard for me to like think outside of myself and get out of my own head. But now, this recent time where we've gotten to this big fight, I actually felt guilt. And guilt is actually a good thing. Feeling guilty is good because it helps us empathize with others' pain. Shame causes us to hide, but guilt causes us to change. And I think so much of my young adult years and even most of my 30s, um, I was so overcome with shame that I was really, really um, not self-aware enough and missing that critical aspect of guilt that's necessary for real positive change. And I was able to overcome this through years and years of therapy. But as a result of um, this big fight that I had with her and uh, realizing how much I've hurt her and I continue to hurt her by not acknowledging it, I took this big step of uh, joining this all men's therapy group. Now, this men's group, this men's therapy group, um, they share stuff with each other so openly and so can like there's really no filter and I've never really had that kind of camaraderie before. And so this is a new season for me, and it's not easy, but I'm going through my own personal season of reckoning. Now, reckoning is extremely difficult, okay? Uh, I think many people think of reckoning as kind of synonymous with, like, Judgment Day or something like that, or maybe even the apocalypse, but reckoning is, is different from that, okay? Reckoning is not an apocalypse or some sort of end times. Reckoning... The ultimate purpose of reckoning is restoration, okay? And this is why we're talking about this today, okay? The ultimate purpose of reckoning is restoration. If you look up reckoning in the dictionary, um, the first few things that it'll say is that it's some sort of like a calculation or uh, even in an accounting setting, it's a settlement of accounts, right? Or you could even see reckoning as some sort of appraisal or judgment on how something is worth or what something is valued. Now, when it comes to our own personal lives and like checks and balances in our morality, it, we, we can really see sin, okay? When we commit wrong or we, we hurt others, it, it actually has a payment, okay? Sin actually requires a payment. Either you're going to pay for your sins or someone else is going to pay for your sins. Usually someone close to you, like a family member or a close friend, maybe even a coworker. 
someone is going to pay for your sins, for your wrongdoings. Either you yourself will have to pay for it, or someone close to you will end up paying for it. The past couple weeks, we've been going through this theme of restoration, and, and a lot of it has been focusing on healing and um, working on yourself and really uh, trying to experience healing in our own personal lives. But the tone of today's message is a little bit different, okay? And the question that I want us to wrestle with today is, how has 2020 been a year of reckoning for you? How has 2020 been a year of reckoning for you? 2020 has certainly been a year of reckoning for me, but on a large scale, 2020 has been a year of reckoning for this country, America. And with all the terrible things that's been happening this year, some people might think that it's the end times or the apocalypse. I know it certainly feels like it, okay? It does feel like the world is going to end. But in actuality, this year is a year of reckoning for all of us. I don't think we're that lucky where uh, this is the end of the world, okay? It is not the apocalypse, okay? However, it is a year of reckoning. And instead of thinking, and, and, you know, and, and in the Bible, okay, uh, uh, the very last book of the Bible is called the book of Revelation. And that is where we see the apocalypse, the end times, okay, where the end of the world is kind of described in kind of graphic ways. But instead, if we really see this year for what it truly is, which is a reckoning, we have to go to the beginning of the Bible, to the book of Exodus. And it would make a lot more sense to think of this year and to understand it as the year of great plagues, the great plagues of 2020. And it's very similar to the 10 plagues of Egypt found in the book of Exodus. Now, the book of Exodus is found in the Old Testament. And the, book of the, uh, the Old Testament in the Bible is primarily a story about God's relationship with humanity. Okay? And for most of the Old Testament, okay, it's predominantly ethnocentric, okay? which means that it's predominantly about God's story with his chosen people of the Old Testament, which is the Israelites. There are stories here and there about God showing favor to other people, uh, to non-Jews or, you know, as the Bible calls it, Gentiles. But by and large, the story of the Old Testament is the story of God's loving relationship with the Jewish people. Now, many Christian Americans think of themselves as God's chosen nation, as if America is like the new Israel. In actuality, though, if we look, take the example of Exodus, okay? In actuality, America is less like the Israelites and more like Egypt. Just think about it, okay? Just as Egypt is a country that's built on the back of slavery, colonization, and nationalism, so is America. I know we don't really like to talk about it, okay, um, because it's kind of like a dark part of our history, but it's true. America was built on the back of slavery, slave labor, colonization, and nationalism, just like Egypt was. 
The similarities between America and Egypt are quite striking, and it actually makes much more sense to think of America as, as ancient Egypt. Okay, just as Egypt had forced labor, that's how they built all those pyramids. Okay, it was on the back of forced labor. So was America. Okay, um, just like Egypt was all about uh, colonization and like kind of taking over the world through their like empire of power. So was America. America is all about that. Okay, and just as the Egyptians believed that they were the best nation in the world and that the entire world would be blessed by their power and dominance and kind of bringing every other nation under their power, so does America. We think of ourselves as the greatest nation in the world. We hear that all the time. We hear politicians saying that all the time. But in actuality, uh, so in actuality, like America is nothing like the Israelites. Okay, if you look at the history of the Israelites, particularly in the Old Testament of the Bible, the Israelites were a relatively weak nation for most of its history. America prides itself in being a military powerhouse. The ancient Israelites were unable to have a permanent ge geographic country of their own. They were always like kicked out of Israel and then they would take it back and then they would be kicked out again. Uh, it was either the Persian Empire or the Babylonian Empire or the Egyptians. And then, but America, we took this land from Native Americans. We took land that didn't belong to us. And the Israelites were constantly enslaved, abused, or dominated, even up, up until recent history. America, however, was typically the one that enslaved, abused, or dominated others. So in light of all this, America has actually a lot more in common with ancient Egypt than ancient Israel. And these great plagues that we've been experiencing this year actually makes a lot more sense when we understand, of, like we take a really, really good, honest look at ourselves. We're not God's chosen. America is not God's chosen people. This country is not God's country, okay? In actuality, the way we've been living, the way we've been behaving, the way we've been mistreating others, we're actually more like Egypt. And this year, 2020, is a year of reckoning for us. Just like the 10 plagues uh, in the book of Exodus was uh, a time of reckoning for ancient Egypt. But the good news is, the purpose of reckoning is not mass destruction. Despite what you may believe or what you may think, the purpose of the 10 plagues of Egypt, of ancient Egypt in the book of Exodus, is not for the sake of destroying Egypt. The purpose of reckoning is restoration, which is why we're talking about it this month. And while this was the main, the, the main purpose of the 10 plagues in the book of uh, Exodus. The main purpose of that was to free the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt. But a secondary purpose of it was to restore the nation of Egypt. Believe it or not, God loved the Egyptians, the ancient, uh, ancient Egyptians. Many Bible-believing 
good-natured Christians have this misconception that God only loved the Israelites in the Old Testament and hated everyone else. Okay, but that's not true. Okay, God is love. Okay, He is incapable of hating uh, a people group like that. While the Old Testament is predominantly the story of God's relationship with His chosen people, the Israelites, it really was an example to display God's love and grace to the rest of the world. Okay, so even though the Old Testament was predominantly a story between God's relationship with the Israelites, God still loved the other nations of the world, in particular, ancient Egypt. So God desired to extend compassion and grace to the Egyptians as well as the Israelites. But the way that it played out looked very, very differently. Now, the ancient Egyptians, um, they had two big problems as far as we can tell. Okay? They are both represented in the person of Pharaoh. Okay? And I don't know how, how much you might remember of this story in the book of Exodus, right? But Pharaoh kind of represented all of Egypt. Okay, Pharaoh was the emperor of Egypt at the time, okay? And the things that Pharaoh was going through is kind of like a, a microcosm of the entire nation of Egypt, okay? And the two big problems that Egypt was going through that was represented in Pharaoh is that their, their hearts were hardened, and they were distant from God. Their hearts were hardened and they were far from God. So what God desired to do with the Egyptians is really to, uh, to change that, to soften their hearts and to bring them closer to himself. God desired to soften their hardened hearts and to draw them close to himself. So contrary to popular opinion, the purpose of the ten plagues of Egypt is not to utterly destroy the nation of Egypt. This series of catastrophes occurred in order to restore the Egyptians. God desired to soften their hearts and draw them close to himself. So let's look at the example of Pharaoh, okay? Uh, why did God need the Pharaoh's permission to free the Israelites? Again, I, I don't know how much of this story you remember, but throughout the 10 plagues, okay, there were 10 various plagues that God brought down upon Egypt, okay? But before each one, God sent his prophet Moses to go to Pharaoh and to confront him and to tell him to release the Israelites from slavery, okay? And it was almost like Moses needed permission or something like that in order to uh, get the Israelites, get his people out of slavery, okay? So before each plague, God would send Moses to give Pharaoh a, a warning and to actually just get Pharaoh's approval to release the Israelites from slavery. And it kind of seemed like God took his time and waited on Pharaoh to give the okay to release the Israelites. And throughout this time, the Egyptians were uh, a lot more abusive. They, were, uh, 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 they treated them even more harshly than they did before because it was their God, the Israelites' God, who was bringing down these catastrophes on Egypt. So was God being insensitive <laughs> to the needs of the Israelites? Why was he taking his time? 
obviously we know that God empathized with the needs of the Israelites because he did accomplish his purpose of freeing them from slavery. So what's going on? Okay, why did God need to go through this like long, <coughs> laborious process of freeing the Israelites through like multiple uh, catastrophes, like these ten plagues? Um, and I'm going to show you a little graphic of the various plagues here. Okay, we don't have to go through all of them, but it helps us to have a visual as we follow along. Now, the reason why God needed or wanted the Pharaoh's approval before releasing them is because he didn't want to force Pharaoh to do this thing. Okay, because God is love, even someone as power hungry, as narcissistic, and as abusive as Pharaoh, God still didn't force him against his will, which is crazy, you know? Um, but if you, if, because God is love, he actually like waits for Pharaoh to, to release them, okay? And after each plague, okay, as you can see here, like the, the Nile River turning into blood or the um, the plague of the infestation of frogs or uh, the gnats or the swarms of flies and the death of livestock, all of these things that happened. Every time each plague happens, prior to each time that happens, Moses confronts Pharaoh okay, and gives him a warning. And God gives Pharaoh multiple opportunities to repent. It was really the Pharaoh's own pride, stubbornness, and hardened heart that kept those plagues happening. Now, while many of these 10 plagues may seem kind of random, okay, um, you know, for us as Americans, like thousands of years after like this happened, uh, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, right? Like why frogs or like, you know, why the swarm of locusts and all of this stuff. God was actually confronting the various false gods and idols that the Egyptians worshipped at the time, okay? Each of these plagues represented a god that they worshipped. And God, uh, Yahweh, or the, the Israelites' god, was really confronting these false gods that the Egyptians worshipped at the time. For example, I'll just give you a few examples, okay? The Nile River turning into blood. Okay, God was kind of putting to death the god Hopi, or the god or spirit of the Nile. Okay, because they relied heavily on the Nile River. The Egyptians relied heavily on the Nile River uh, for water, you know, and, and water is life, right? So, um, and, and they worshiped this river god, uh, Hopi. And then another one is uh, uh, the, the plague of skin rashes and boils, okay? And this was putting to death the goddess Serapis, who is the goddess of healing. And then the hail uh, and fire from the sky, this was putting to death uh, the goddess Newt, who was the goddess of the sky. And last but definitely not least, there was darkness in the land for three days. And this is the death of the god Ra, okay, who is a famous god of the sun. And it, it, these ten plagues, they were kind of like a trilogy of trilogies. There was three, three, and three. Uh, which was nine, and it gave Pharaoh multiple opportunities to repent and to let the Israelites go and to stop his, uh, like, centuries of abuse. 
Um, but ultimately, he, he, he wouldn't soften his heart, right? His heart was still hardened, and he was still far from God. And so the ultimate plague, which is the ultimate disaster, which was the death of their first, firstborn son, okay? And this was really putting to death the deity of Pharaoh himself because Pharaoh was seen by the Egyptians as a god, as a deity. Now, let's shift our focus a little bit here and bring it back to today. We have had our fair share of great plagues this year, right? We may not have had 10, but here are the various catastrophes that we have experienced so far, okay? Now, I know that there are many things that have happened in 2020 that might have had a big impact on you personally, but if it didn't have like a huge national or global impact, I did not include it here. For example, a lot of people were devastated by the deaths of prominent figures like Kobe Bryant or like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, okay? Um, which was terrible, right? But those things did not impact most people. There were varying degrees, right? Some people were like devastated by the death of RBG, but other people, you know, really didn't care, okay, unfortunately. Um, there were even like a couple minor uh, catastrophes, like there were like a few earthquakes that happened this year in greater LA County. But again, those didn't impact people on a really, really massive scale. Okay, these things that I've listed here are things that have had an impact on people on a, on a, in a big way, okay? Uh, most obviously, coronavirus, COVID-19, which kind of had a cascading effect, okay? This caused um, a lot of us or, or, or most of the world into forced quarantine. And this is a catastrophe, okay? COVID-19 is one catastrophe which caused... Uh, global quarantine which is another catastrophe because we don't even know all the ways that this like almost year long of quarantine has affected us mentally emotionally psychologically all right and that also caused a massive economic crash like on a global level right and this is terrible okay this is terrible okay and it's terrible for tons of like business owners but also like nonprofit people and people who work for like various smaller companies and it's 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 bad okay that's what's happening on on a global scale right and then on the national or even like continental level there are various things that are happening across the world such as the racially charged violence in America okay and it's not just like uh, dirty cops okay uh, but there are just like racist people who are killing uh, particularly like uh, black Americans um, because of like because of racism. OK, and there are also other things that are happening against uh, Asian Americans. OK, people like myself who are being targeted because for some reason, like Asian Americans are being blamed for coronavirus, which I know it's like stupid. But, you know, America's full of stupid people. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Um sorry if, uh, I'm speaking to you <laughs> um, but all of that racially charged violence turned into uh, protests and riots across America and major cities across America now some protests are peaceful and um, you know I've been a part of a few protests that are peaceful okay asking for like 
justice reform, but some of those protests have turned violent, okay? And it's not just like the conservatives who are um, causing these riots. There are a lot of like flaming liberals who are causing these like violent riots as well, okay? Um, and I don't know uh, how many of you are aware of this because uh, Americans are infamous for not knowing what's going on in the rest of the world, but that plague of locusts in the book of Exodus that happened to the Egyptians thousands of years ago, that is also happening right now in Africa. There are swarms and swarms of locusts who are eating up like crops and destroying farms across America, okay, particularly in Kenya and, and in, the, in the horn of Africa. And in the south of America, uh, in like places like Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, there have been, and Florida, there have been many hurricanes and floods that have devastated homes and acres and acres. And on the other side of America, uh, where I am located in California, but also in Oregon and Washington, we have experienced these crazy, crazy massive wildfires. And this is like the worst massive wildfires in recorded history and documented history literally millions and millions of acres that have just burned up and this has caused um other things to happen um particularly like where i live in in pasadena it has caused like weeks of like eerie darkness and it has caused massive pollution obviously and it also like made the sun this eerie red blood orange color which just makes it feel even that much more apocalyptic and this lasted for like weeks it, it like the only thing that my family and i could do to just give us a few moments of like sanity is like go on walks in the neighborhood for a few weeks uh of, or for like uh you know a few minutes like every day but like we couldn't even do that for a few weeks and so that has really made a huge impact on many people um psychologically in, in terms of our mental and emotional health now i don't want to seem um all right let me bring it back here now i don't want to seem like uh like a debbie downer or like um uh i don't want to scare people but i am afraid that there is one or two more things that are going to happen this year if this if this year 2020 is like um, kind of like a television series on Netflix or on Hulu and we have been binge watching all year long um, I'm kind of curious to see how this series ends in 2020 and I'm I'm still afraid that something terrible is going to happen okay for example we have elections in America coming up in a couple weeks right and someone's going to get pissed off okay <laughs> one group or more, maybe, okay, maybe everyone's going to get end up getting pissed off, but someone is bound to get pissed, okay, and I'm kind of bracing myself for when that happens. Now, these great plagues that have been happening in various ways uh, in America, especially in America, is really like a season of reckoning, just like the 10 plagues uh, of ancient Egypt. Uh, and just like the ten plagues of ancient Egypt confronted the various gods and false idols that they uh, worshipped, the great plagues of 2020 are also confronting us, uh, American, but 
specifically American Christians, with our own idols and false gods. A leading author, a best-selling author and speaker uh, on this topic of idolatry is Pastor Tim Keller. Uh, he was the founding pastor of Redeemer Church in New York. And in this book, Counterfeit Gods, he describes what idolatry looks like in the 21st century. He said, Whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the lords of our lives. And he gives a couple examples of this uh, in the same book. Okay? Uh, he says this, We may not physically kneel before the statue of Aphrodite, but many young women today are driven into depression and eating disorders by an obsessive concern over their body image. We may not actually burn incense to Artemis, but when money and career are raised to cosmic proportions, we perform a kind of child sacrifice, neglecting our family and community to achieve a higher place in business and gain more wealth and prestige. While there may not be an idol or a false god that connects each of these plagues that have been happening this year in 2020 so far, there are at least three areas of reckoning that God is confronting us with in 2020. First, we have been poor stewards of the earth for far too long, okay? Now, we're speculation is that like coronavirus has is, is a result of abusing animals okay and and nature right and treating animals in ways that they should not be treated okay and and doing things to animals that are just really really not natural and all of these crazy wildfires that have been happening in California and Oregon and the state of Washington it, it really is a direct result of global warming that caused years of drought, extended dry seasons, and these brush fires and wildfires that have burned up literally millions of acres of homes, of wildlife, of mountains, of forests. Uh, it really is a, a direct result of global warming because of our insatiable addiction to oil and just misuse of the Earth's natural resources. Okay, so And we are still dealing with the consequences of that. And so that is the first area of reckoning that God is confronting us with, is, which is poor stewardship of the earth. Second, the other area of reckoning that God is confronting us with is narcissism. Narcissism. Excessive consumerism and self-worship. The economic crash is a direct result of greed. As we have seen these last few months, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Massive companies like Amazon or all these companies in Silicon Valley and these large corporations even uh, taking advantage of the PPP loans. Uh, these are a direct result of greed and narcissism. While in the meantime, small businesses, mom and pop shops, churches, charities, 
and nonprofits are just dropping like flies. So the second area of reckoning that God is confronting us with is narcissism. Narcissism. And we still see this today. Okay? People are acting as if like none of these terrible things are happening on social media. They're like taking all these like selfies and like uh, false portrayals of themselves as if like everything's fine. It's not fine. Okay? Our world is effed up. <laughs> all right? Okay? And we have to realize this. We have to. This is a season of reckoning for us. And last but definitely not least is we have not been loving our neighbor. We have not been loving our neighbor. These racially charged violences, neglecting the poor, ignoring the outcast. The truth is, these are not anything new. We have always been doing this. But now, because of smartphones, because of access to our cameras uh, anytime, it's just being well documented. All right? All of these like racially charged violences and neglecting the poor and, and abusing those who are um, kind of outcasts. We've always done this. Okay, now it's better documented. So these three areas that God is confronting us with, okay, these three areas of reckoning, poor stewardship of the earth, narcissism, and, and neglecting our neighbor, right? Uh, these are all areas where we have failed to love. We have ignored the great commandment to love God and to love our neighbor. Okay? Because we have been port stewards of the earth, we have not loved the earth. Because we have been so narcissistic and worshiping ourselves, we have not loved God adequately. And because we have been neglecting the poor and, and seeing all these like racially charged violence, we have not been loving our neighbor. All of these areas are areas where we have failed in love. Now, most of what I shared with you today are things that we are lacking on a large scale. And some of these might, might have resonated with you more than others. But let's make it more applicable to you. Okay, the question that I asked you at the beginning of today's message, all right, which is how has 2020 been a year of reckoning for you? Okay, really do some soul searching this week. The same question that I presented with you, like just at the beginning of today's message, kind of wrestle with it and let it marinate, let it sit with you all week long. How has 2020 been a year of reckoning for you? Because reckoning is not for the sake of bringing destruction, okay? That is the last thing that God wants for you. God does not want to bring you destruction. He wants to bring you restoration. In the ways that maybe Pharaoh of ancient Egypt has hardened his heart and been far from God, in what ways have you hardened your heart? In what ways have you been far from God? Because what God wants to do as a result of this year is he wants to soften your heart and draw you closer to himself. God is not looking to destroy you or condemn you. God wants to soften your heart and draw you closer to himself. Will you join me in prayer? Let's just take a minute or two and reflect on that question and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us today. How is 2020 a year of reckoning for you?